This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Do you have a need for speed when it comes to video and music? Stream till your heart's content with the best in wireless. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. Get a plan as low as $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. Access most video and music streaming sites without touching any of your monthly data. All with the best phones or bring your own. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, let's do it. Another episode, episode 146 to be exact, of the Moranalytics podcast presented by Pulse Cellular. Today is Friday, August 23rd, 2019. Thank you, as always, for listening, for downloading. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do so right now. Coming up on the podcast today, I have an interview that I taped when I was still in Buffalo. I'm back here now. In Florida, I've been back for a handful of days. But when I was in Buffalo, I did get an opportunity to tape a bunch of interviews. And one of them was with Buffalo News Sports Executive Sports Editor Josh Barnett. That was really cool. I'm going to play that for you today. Now, I've had Josh on the podcast one other time. And that was more of a straightforward interview, kind of like I've done with a lot of guests, giving you guys an opportunity to know a lot more about them. This interview was a lot more on the casual side. If you've been listening to the podcast over the last month or so, you know that I spent three weeks, a little more than three weeks in Buffalo, and I was doing my Wings With series where I hooked up with a lot of people from the Buffalo sports media at various places and just sat down, had wings, and had very casual conversations with them. Went over very well. It was a lot of fun to do. I had Joe Beon, Tim Graham, Sal Capaccio, Joe Yurden, Mike Harrington, Eric Wood with Josh little bit different. Don't get me wrong. It was still a lot of fun, but instead of hooking up with him at a, at a bar, a noisy bar and having wings with him, Josh was kind enough to hook up with me actually at the Buffalo news office in downtown Buffalo, which for me, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. It was kind of like a, a geek out moment. You know, I'm from Buffalo, grew up a big Bill Sabres fan, Buffalo sports fan in general, like a lot of kids, but the difference between me and many others was that I also was a big fan going back to being a very young kid of the Buffalo sports media. I grew up wanting to be a sports writer or sports broadcaster. That was my thing. So I always admired the Buffalo news and always wanted to, I always wondered what it was like inside that building. So 
After talking to Josh, we decided it would be a good spot to hook up. I went downtown second to last night in Buffalo when I taped the interview. And I was, I mean, obviously I was impressed. Very old, nostalgic feel when you walk those halls at the Buffalo News. You could see memorabilia all over the place, old newspapers all over the place, just like you would see in a movie, like from the 1960s or 70s. It kind of, in some ways, still looks like that. The old newsroom, that was a big thrill for me. So Josh was kind enough to take me on a tour of that before we would sit down in one of his conference rooms. And we had a good talk, man. We talked about the Buffalo News, how things are going over there, how Josh is doing. He, unfortunately, his father passed away earlier this year. So he's had a lot personally to deal with. So we hit on that. And then we get into some wrestling talk. I mean, Josh and I are both wrestling fans. So we talked a little bit about WWE and AEW. Again, a lot of fun with a guy that I really admire a lot. And let me say one more thing about Josh Barnett. You hear executive sports editor and automatically you might think like tyrant, but that's not the case. At least from my dealings with Josh, man, he couldn't be a nicer guy. In fact, one quick story here. I don't want to get too far off track, but my very first night in Buffalo when I was there in July and in August, there was a meetup at Deep South Taco downtown with a lot of bloggers and podcasters. And I got an opportunity to meet like Nate Gary from WGR, Maniac from Trainwreck Sports, uh, Aaron Quinn, who I do the segment with on this podcast from Cover One. I met him, Greg from Cover One, a couple other guys. So had a lot of fun doing that. Didn't get to stay for as long as I wanted to because I had other commitments that night. But anyway, here was my point. All these bloggers and podcasters, and then Nate, who is with WGR, which is mainstream, but Nate's also very heavily entrenched into that, that world as well. So you got those guys, but then you got Josh Barnett, who I didn't even know was going to be there. He showed up and I thought that was really, really cool of him. It just shows that he's a guy that's not just about, you know, the mainstream. He knows how to relate to people from all forms of life when it comes to the Buffalo sports media. So I had a lot of respect for him for that. And we talked about that as well. Very good conversation. A lot of fun to do that. I'm going to bring that to you also on the podcast immediately following my conversation with Josh Barnett. I hook up with my man, Joe Buffalo wins on Twitter. We did another installment of the running with Joe. Haven't done that in at least a month since before I left for Buffalo. We shoot the shit like we always do. And then we get into some bills conversation. The big thing that we did with this taping was Sal Mariano from the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle recently published a list of the top 100 bills of all times. And I, you know me, man, I love lists. I love power rankings. So we deep dived into that. I don't want to say, yeah, we did sort of nitpick his list because that's what lists are for. That's what power rankings are for. People read them. They agree with them. They disagree with them. Brings for very good water cooler debate. And that's kind of what me and Joe did. We came up with five or six things each that we nitpicked that we would change if it was, if it was our list that we were doing. So that was fun. I also get Joe's take on NFL preseason, which he absolutely hates. And we also kind of spent a couple minutes, not a lot of time, because again, I had a wrestling conversation with Josh previous to that. But I do get Joe's take on AEW and NXT going head-to-head starting in early October on Wednesday nights. That's going to be a lot of fun. His final take as well. So two good interviews, lots of fun to do, good episode, not going to waste any more time here right at the top. Let's get right down to business. Here it is, first up, my interview while I was still in Buffalo, my second last night there at the Buffalo News office, which by the way, if you hear a little bit of echoness in the conference room, it is what it is. Me, along with 
Josh Barnett from the Buffalo News, followed immediately by another installment of The Running With Joe. Let's do it. All right, I am being joined right now by the executive sports editor of the Buffalo News, Josh Barnett. What's going on, Josh? How you doing? Hey, Pat, how are you? I'm good. I am actually in the hallowed walls, actually a conference room at the Buffalo News building right now. You're kind enough to take me in here, give me a nice little tour, walk around, kind of feel that history a little bit. Yeah, welcome so, to the Buffalo News. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. There's lots of lots of neat stuff hanging on the walls and in the file cabinets and all kinds of really cool things. It's a it's a pretty neat place to work. Obviously, we we met briefly. We'll talk about that in a minute at a meetup. My first night back here in Buffalo, but I wanted to get together, have a nice conversation with you, and and do it at the Buffalo News building. You kind of feel you feel the you feel the greatness through the years as somebody who grew up a big fan, not just of the Bills and the Sabers, but of sports media people, people like. Felser and Kelly, so many of the greats that have walked the walls or the halls of the Buffalo News. It's just, you kind of get that feeling when you're around places like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, it's, uh, it's it's a neat place. And, you know, the building has changed and the names have changed uh, over the years. But there's definitely still that still that history and, you know, still feels like a old style kind of newsroom. Uh, despite the fact that, you know, we continue to push into the new era of journalism and digital work and all that good stuff, but the uh, building still has a little bit of that classic feel. Yeah, for sure. For everyone listening out there, you were on the podcast back in episode, it was 86 January early this year. That's the kind of episode where, you know, we kind of took you through your career. People got an opportunity to know a lot more about you. So if they have not listened to that yet, go back to the archives, check that out. I know this has been a tough year for you personally, you know, losing your dad and everything. So obviously condolences there. Appreciate that. Thank you. I talked to Mike during the last taping and he had a great point on supporting local journalism. And I couldn't agree more. Obviously you feel the same way. There's, I don't want to say there are battles going on, but there's obviously rivalries going on right now in the sports media, not necessarily between one person or the other, but just outlets and stuff. And it, it was important. And Mike really hit on it well. And he's not just talking. I mean, this is primarily a sports podcast, but we're not just talking sports. We're just talking about local journalism period. And the Buffalo news as much now as ever, still has as much to offer now as they ever have. So talk just for a minute or two about the importance of people going out there and supporting local journalism. Yeah, no question. That's a great point by Mike. And the other thing is, it's not just supporting local journalism, it's supporting local people in your community. We all live here. Sure. You you see us at Wegmans and you see us, there's hundreds of people that work in this building and, you know, in, or who serve as carriers who, or who have, who are advertised with us, who do other things related to the Buffalo News. And, like I said, you, you see us in your community, you're our neighbors, we're part of, we're your neighbors. And uh, to me, that's a, a big part of, of this part of it. Um, you know, going out and getting a chance to talk to people uh, and getting a chance to interact with them uh, and hear their stories in this community. Uh, there's so much pride about being a Western New Yorker. There's so much pride about being a Buffalonian. That's definitely something I've, I've learned and been just so overwhelmingly impressed with in the time that I've been here. You know, I'm married to a Western New York girl for, you know, 23 years now. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a little bit of a sense of it. But, you know, being uh, being here every day uh, is uh, is really been, you know, a blessing and a great opportunity to just see that and feel that from the people here. And, uh, you know, the work we do here from from front to back, whether it's on our website or in our newspaper, uh, you know, there is great work being done by a lot of our colleagues, whether it's in sports or whether it's uh, our watchdog team related to 
you know, the nursing homes or the Buffalo priests or Jerry Zaremski's reporting on Chris Collins right? or the things that you see, you know, from our features department and, you know, Jeff Myers and Andrew Galarno on restaurants. I mean, if you want to know where to eat in Buffalo and uh, you got a pretty good list already, so I don't, you probably don't, may not need to eat anymore right on this trip, <laughs> but you got a pretty good list. Um, you know, he's kind of your go-to guy and, and, you know, the amount of, of people who, who have that, um, you know, here that, that we put out every day is, you know, it's a special thing. As somebody with a lot of responsibility in the sports department, does it feel good to just be able to work and not have to deal with maybe people like me, for an example, having you on the podcast a year ago, I probably would have wanted to talk about nothing except all the change that was going on at the Buffaloes. Why did this person leave? Why did this? Why did that? What about this person you hired? Well, now things are back to being normal. So to speak, I mean, things are probably never normal in a newspaper. That's probably a, a stupid way to say it. But Lance has done a fantastic job covering the Sabres. Jason's doing some great work writing. I'm a big Rachel fan. We talked about her, some of the stories that she does with college. We just did a couple stories on a couple of UB kids trying to make it in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Does it feel good? Does it feel a little more sense of normalcy so far in 2019 just because there's not the change, the turnover that you had to deal with. You know, my philosophy on that is one minute spent thinking about the past is one less minute that I have to spend thinking about the present or the future. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have great respect for the people that were here and the work that they did. But right now, you know, our focus is on the Buffalo News Sports Department, the Buffalo News as a whole, serving our readers, um, you know, in the best way that we can, providing content and places where they want to get it. You know, I'm really excited about the people that we've brought in, you know, and I think as they continue to get more accustomed to Buffalo, uh, you know, continue to work the beats and make sources, you know, I'm really excited about a bunch of stuff that we have coming up planned uh, for late summer. We've got a bunch of new things planned around the bills for the fall. Um, You know, we've been having some great meetings about some different things we want to try with the Sabres. You know, I'm really excited about the people that are here with me on our team uh, and the work they do. And, you know, I hope... Um, the readers will continue to uh, feel that way too and, you know, develop relationships with our people and, you know, continue to trust them as, you know, honest brokers for, you know, sports in Buffalo. Well, I'll tell you, Lance is one guy in particular that I've been very impressed with. I talked about this with Mike. We talked a little bit before we started taping how impressed I am with him. I, I told a story that if, like, if I came to Buffalo right now from another state and I didn't, I was just becoming a fan of this team right now, I would never know that he came from a baseball beat and never covered hockey pretty much in his entire lifetime until, in fact, you pointed this out. It wasn't even like he was there for training camp or for exhibition season last year. He started in November. It feels to me like he's been covering the Sabres for five, seven years now. Yeah, Lance has been fantastic. Um, you know, the work that he's done, uh, the way he and Mike have kind of gelled together and the way that's all, all been uh, is great. You know, the thing I love about Lance is that he's really an idea person. Uh, you know, I'll say, hey, what do you got? And he'll say, well, I want to work on this. I want to work on that. And we kind of figure out, you know, the best way to, to get things done. I mean, he's, he's interested in the ideas of, you know, maybe the traditional conventions of newspaper beat coverage. Let's try something different. And, you know, Lance comes from DK Sports in Pittsburgh, which obviously was one of the forerunners of sort of the sports pay subscription sites. So he has a pretty good understanding of how that marketplace works. And, and I think that helps him in terms of the kind of coverage that he wants to be doing and, you know, the type of coverage that, you know, we're going to continue moving in the direction toward. You told me that if you could cover a baseball beat, you can cover any beat. Explain yeah. Elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, baseball is the longest season. It has the, right. in terms of games, it has the most travel. It's got, 
six weeks away from home right out of the jump. Um, so to me, it, it's also got non-timed games, you know, and trying to get the plane the next morning on the, you know, because the Raiders aren't flying the charters that the players are. You know, when you're in Denver for a three-game series and you got to get yourself to Los Angeles and be at the batting, be at the cage, you know, be at the open availability before the game. To me, there's just so many different elements of it. You know, you got to keep track of the minor league system and who the prospects are, yeah. you know, deep into the system. So I just tend to think that because of the way uh, baseball works and, and, you know, as much as all the sports are relationship businesses, you know, there's 25 guys, give or take, you know, with transactions and you're really with them for eight or eight straight months. Uh, and, and so I, to me, I think that that's one of the challenges of, of covering baseball. All right. So check this out, man. I'm here with Josh Barnett. We are at the Buffalo news. We're actually in a conference room right now. Kind of hear that echo going on a little bit. And of course we're going to end this. I'm not going to take up much more of your time, but me and you are going to geek out a little bit. I want to talk a little bit of wrestling. All right. You're a wrestling guy. You write about wrestling too, by the way, you're not just a wrestling fan. I'm a, a big wrestling fan. I don't get too many opportunities to talk on this podcast with people who know anything about wrestling. So you bet your ass if I got Josh Burnett out, we're going to talk a little bit of wrestling for a few minutes anyway. Got to start the big thing for me. Sasha Banks comes back recently. The Monday after SummerSlam. Crowd goes nuts. She's got the purple wig on. Nice big pop. Gets in the ring. Hugs Natty who's in a sling. And bam. Punches her in the face. Beats her down. Becky comes out. Beats her down. Hits her with a chair. Stiff chair shot too, by the way. Set of receipts coming. Yep. What did you think about that? Is that was this the right time to bring her back? And to me, I feel like Becky needs a Sasha Banks right now. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, I think they they pushed Lacey Evans a little bit too fast, too soon. Sure. Um, and she's got an incredible story that I was really fortunate to tell when I was at USA Today when she was first starting. But um, I think that that probably wasn't the right opponent. Um, and I think this. Uh, is the right opponent at the right time. Uh, if things play out the way I think they're going to play out, you're going to be looking at Charlotte and Bailey on SmackDown and Becky and Sasha on Raw. So you've got the four horsewoman and the two top female angles going against each other. Now, whether that eventually leads to some kind of togetherness and, you know, we'll see Ronda and her version of the horsewomen with Shayna, you know, coming up at WrestleMania or something, who knows if that ever happens. But uh, I think, I think Sasha had to come back, uh, you know, you can't stay away for six months, eight months, nine months, you know, at the prime of your career, uh, like she is in terms of her age range, um, without and not necessarily see a negative impact from it. I don't want to say women's wrestling has been boring lately because that's not true at all. But with Sasha gone and Ronda gone, it definitely doesn't have the same intensity that it did a handful of months ago since WrestleMania. I think even Vince McMahon knows he couldn't keep shoving. Charlotte Flair against Becky down throws. People weren't going to buy that anymore. And Lacey Evans, unfortunately, at least at this time, and you said it, maybe it just wasn't the right time for her. Didn't really move the needle much. That aside, you know what? I didn't know anything about this. What story are you talking about when it comes to Lacey Evans? You said you wrote a story. What is that about? Yeah, so she actually spent a significant amount of time in the military. Um, okay, and that it does a lot it. of work for the military. Um, she's a mom. And uh, she owns a construction business with her husband down in South Carolina, and they formed that construction business in order to try to help members of her family. She's had a lot of drug issues in her family, and she has seven siblings, I believe, and she was kind of the rock of the family, um, you know, while her brothers and sisters were going through that. And now many of them work with 
her and her husband, um, you know, and the other part about her military background is she was actually on the SWAT team at the base that she was stationed at in South Carolina, one of the very few women to be in that role as well. So um, feel free to Google me and Lacey Evans and For the Win or USA Today, and you can read it. I'm definitely going to. I didn't know about that. Now that you've armed me with that information, I'm like, does it make Why didn't they kind of run with some sort of military style angle? Why is. Because you needed to heal and you're not going to have a, you know, an American hero, military veteran be on the face side against Becky Lynch, right? So you needed, you needed the villain. So maybe I shouldn't have known that you wrote that story because I sort of bought it, but now I don't buy, I don't buy the, the heel Lacey Evans that was out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, pretty interesting. It's, you know, having a chance to do kind of the bunch of the different things that I did, you know, when I was covering wrestling on a weekly and regular basis and getting a chance to talk to a lot of the talent, you know, I am super excited about Adam Cole, who is a guy that I got close to when I was covering Ray of Honor, you know, who's a guy you can talk to about anything and, you know, just text him and say, Hey, I'm working on a story about this. What do you think? And, you know, he was fantastic. So I'm super thrilled for Adam Cole. I've had a chance to meet his brother and his mom and, you know, so uh, like I said, I'm really happy for him. We'll see where they go with that, with the Undisputed Era and NXT. What about Seth Rollins winning the belt back from Brock Lesnar? What do they do with Brock now going forward? What was the sense of him winning money in the bank? Do you agree? I just, I kind of don't get it. What are they going to do with Brock now going forward? What, what's the move with him? Well, I think the reason that they brought Brock, Brock back in that role was who else was Seth going to face at SummerSlam? And that really was the problem because you didn't, you know, I think, you know, are we talking about a Braun Strowman? Who are we talking about? You know, Lashley's hurt, and I'm not sure it's him. It could have been Rollins and Mac- Drew McIntyre, maybe, who's another guy that I think really highly of, um, both professionally. So does The Rock. Yeah, both professionally and just as a guy, um, having had a chance to talk to him a few times. But, you know, I, I think really that's kind of where it, it came into play. There, there wasn't anybody for Seth to go against, and so now you didn't want to see Baron Corbin again. You didn't want to see a lot of the recycled entities and so they brought Brock back to try to flip this around. And now we'll kind of see where, where things go from here. Well, it's looking like his next program might be with Braun Strowman. The guy was at top of the world. And then he, I don't want to say he got buried, but he kind of sort of became a little irrelevant. Yeah, missed opportunity probably there. Uh, the amazing thing to think about is, uh, and I, I heard somebody say this uh, on Busted Open, I think. Look at all the people who are on the main WWE roster who weren't on SummerSlam. SummerSlam, second biggest show of the year, you could argue. Look at all the people who weren't on SummerSlam. You could make a pretty good card just of the yeah. people who weren't on the show. Um, and I think that's really where the, the challenge become, becomes, especially if you're looking to elevate some of the NXT folks. You know, I don't really know where they go with Shayna Baszler at this point, you know, as a two-time NXT women's champion. I mean, eventually they want to get that title to Io Shirai, I assume, but who's going to be the person in between? Do you put it on Candice LeRae? You know, what do they do with Velveteen Dream? Who's another guy who seems like he's ready to break out and be, you know, a big time player. Yeah. But where do you put him and how does he fit? Uh, so I, I think they have some interesting choices to make. And maybe you want to keep a bunch of those folks in NXT, especially if they are, as rumored, going to Fox Sports 1 for a live two-hour show every Wednesday to go head-to-head with AEW. I'm a big Shannon Baszler fan. I think she's going to have a big future at some point in WWE. You can't get it right all the time. There's going to be angles. There's going to be wrestlers out there that you just drop the ball with. But do you remember them doing such a bad job with the wrestlers they have with Elias? I thought that guy was as over as anybody. Do you remember when Kevin Owens was a bad guy and they were running down cities when they were singing, just the crowd going absolutely berserk, losing their minds so much like nuclear heat. Then they turned him face. 
That didn't work. Snap of a finger. He's a heel again. Just nobody cares anymore. He's not, he's doing pre-shows. He's getting, he's jobbing when he's wrestling. He's just so irrelevant now. I feel like this guy could have been, and I remember Stone Cold was talking about what a big star he thought this guy could be. It's not happening. At least not right now, it's not. So, totally unrelated um, to what he can be. I actually was in the arena at the University of Central Florida when Elias lost a loser leaves NXT match. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. Um, doing Working on some stories. I was down there. Um, and that happened to be one of the matches that was on the show. But nonetheless, um, <laughs> I, uh, I think you're right about him. I mean, I think unless they want him to be the comedy act, um, and it feels like there's more... Feels like there's more to him than that. Yeah, he's not. He's our truth is another one. He's a comedy act, but he's also a good wrestler. But it feels like our truth is good with being a comedy act. It just doesn't feel like that should be like that with Elias. Our right. truth has also recently turned fifty. So wow, yeah. So keep in mind that I mean, you know, our truth isn't going to go out there and do a lot of hard car matches at this point. He's still in incredible shape, mm-hmm. um, but at fifty years old, that's just not how they're going to use him. Right. Um, so, but I do think Elias has, there's a, there's hopefully an opportunity somewhere uh, for them to make better use of Elias. The other thing that I think really is, is to me going to be key as they ramp up to SmackDown is how much of TV time are they going to continue to give to Shane McMahon? Because there are a lot of talents that probably could maximize their minutes, as Jim Ross likes to say, if they had even small windows in which to operate rather than a lot of these lengthy start the show, end the show segments with Shane. Um, and you know, that's no disrespect to the fact that that's a guy who does some incredibly crazy stuff and puts his body through way more than a 46 year old father of three probably should. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's pretty wild, but I do think there's an opportunity there. You know, how does this end up working out? Cause there really isn't that authority figure anymore, except him, you know, Stephanie hasn't been on the air Triple H is very rarely on the air. You know, Vince makes very select appearances. So I, I think that's going to be another interesting element as they try to find a spot for an Elias, you know, find a spot for a Lashley when he comes back or find a spot for some of the NXT types. Do you buy into Kevin Owens right now? I mean, obviously he had a lot of momentum going with the Shane McMahon program. Now that that looks like that's going to be over, don't move on to other things. Do you buy him as one of the top wrestlers, top faces in the company right now? You know, I like Kevin Owens just because of the way he works in the ring. And mm-hmm. I think the way he does uh, everything else, all the all the extra stuff, I think really adds layers to the character. Um, the thing about Kevin Owens that I think is interesting is you kind of feel like he's just sort of always on the fence. Like there's nothing that says that he couldn't just flip back over, you know, at the snap of a fingers if the right situation or storyline presented itself. I get the sense that he's having fun being a, uh, being a, a baby face and kind of doing that sort of work and using somewhat of his sense of humor because he's a guy also when you talk to, you know, you just get on the phone and interview. It's really interesting because like if you talk to him for 15 minutes, you usually get like seven minutes of Kevin Owens and eight minutes of Kevin Steen. Yeah. He kind of toggles back and forth between the guy and the character. It's really pretty fascinating. Last thing here and then we'll, we'll be done. Actually, here's a quick Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens story. Go ahead. I'm, I was talking to him and all of a sudden he goes, oh crap. And I'm like, What's wrong? And he goes, I don't, I'm going through the car wash. I don't think the person realized that I was in the car and the guy outside the window just jumped. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. Last question here, man. AEW is getting ready to start. What are your thoughts on that? Me personally, I'm really excited. And here's why. I've been a WWE fan my entire life, literally my entire life. 
I was a WCW fan too, but once that was done, I have not watched really any wrestling besides WWE. I'm a very mainstream guy and I'm not in much into the indie scene. Not that I'm not that I don't like it or respect it. Just don't know much about it. Even like New Japan wrestling, Ring of Honor, things like that. I know the wrestlers when they get to NXT, basically, is what I'm saying. You know, I don't know much about them, if anything, before that. With AEW, for the most part, I mean, obviously, I know Jericho, of course, Cody Rhodes. I know Kenny Omegas. I've seen him wrestle a couple times. But I'm excited because I feel like I'm starting from scratch with a program that's starting from scratch. I'm going to learn about these wrestlers as they come in. It's got me really excited because... First of all, WWE needs competition. I think everyone needs competition in life to really push them. And I think that other companies obviously have tried to and have not been successful, but I think AEW is legit. Do you think they're legit? And what are your thoughts on them right now? So as related to competition, you've heard me say that I read everything that's out there about the stuff that we do and we need competition. Sure. I mean, it's great that there's so much good work being done, um, you know, both in the professional and the, you know, blogging universe of uh, of buffalo sports media and we can talk about the meetup at some other time but the so aw for me i love cody rhodes because his attitude was i think i'm better than the way you're treating me so i'm going to go prove to you that i'm better i mean he walked away from a lot of money that he could have been making for years sure you know in wwe to decide to prove that he could be better and then he went and you know worked a lot of joints with you know, 300 people in the middle of Michigan doing indie shows, you know, during that time before he, you know, while he was signing with Ring of Honor and and working those dates. So I think he has the right mindset and I think he can provide the company with the right direction. Where I think the challenge becomes is that if you look at the shows that we've had so far from them, you know, and there's another one coming up Labor Day weekend, is that I just think there has to be more than Cody, Omega and the Bucks each wrestle for 25 minutes. Right. There's, you know, there's too much of, of the guys who are making the decisions, I think, at this point. And granted, they're still growing the roster and bringing in different people. But I think they've had an issue where a bunch of the shows have just kind of fallen apart, you know, at the end uh, in some of the, the matches. You know, with the exception of maybe the Mox-Legionella match at the end of the show in Daytona Beach. And that was a whole different thing with the thumbtacks and whatever. Yeah. But, but I, I think the challenge is how do they create people that you can be interested in right away beyond the core group of executive VPs, Jericho Moxley and a handful of guys who have large independent followings. That, that to me is if you're going to fill two hours every week, like it feels to me, they they've struggled at times to put really solid bell to bell front to back shows together when you're doing them once a month, when you got to do it two hours every week, it's a heck of a lot harder. My hope is that they're going into this with the first six months planned out like yeah. now and then they just kind of adjust to the fans and, and what works and what doesn't, as opposed to too, you know, too much adjusting on the fly. You know, at the beginning of that, you said something about a meetup, and we would talk about that another time. No, we're going to talk about that briefly. Okay, sure. Right now. I want to let people know this, okay? So I've been, we've had a relationship through Twitter for quite a while now, and I knew that we were going to get together on this trip, and I was getting an opportunity to meet you, sit down with you, have a nice conversation, and table a little something. My first night in Buffalo, I went downtown to Deep South Taco, mm-hmm. and 
it's a podcaster meetup. Well, not limited to podcasters, but Blogger, I knew podcasters, bloggers, bloggers, yep. podcasters, Some my buddy folks. Nate, my buddy, yep. yeah, my buddy Nate Gary from WGR. I knew he was going to be there. I was looking forward to because I had never met him. Eric Turner from Cover One. I was looking forward to meeting him. Aaron Quinn from Cover One. A couple other guys. Anyway, that, I'm getting off track here. My point was, you were there, and I'm like, I didn't, re- I didn't recognize you at first. Not because I didn't know what you looked like, because I, I know what you look like, but I was like, what is the executive sports editor to Buffalo News doing hanging out with some little pedestrian bloggers and podcasters like myself, man? I, I found that really telling about you. I, th- I think that's really cool. And I know it might, maybe that doesn't sound like a big deal, but I, I kind of think it is. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And it was a, it was a fun night. You know, uh, Eric Turner and Nate were really nice enough to when I said, hey, will you guys like spit on me if I show up? And they said, no, come on <laughs> down. So, so that was cool. But you know, there's a lot of great work being done in this market by a lot of people who do it in a lot of different ways and who, uh, you know, some of us who make our living in this business and some of us who want to make our living in our business and some people who just do it, do for, it for the fun. Lo- do it for the love of the game, you know? Yeah. And, and to me, the fact that those folks put in the effort that it's required um, to do that is, uh, is pretty cool. And, you know, they deserve credit for that, you know? I've been extremely fortunate that I wanted to be in this business since I was 13 years old and, you know, I'm 47 now and, you know, every day since college, I've been able to be in this business and I don't take that for granted. Um, I don't take for granted how special the opportunities are to get to do what I love, um, to have had a chance to work with, you know, hundreds of different people at this point, um, all who bring something different to the table, a different personality, a different view, a different, uh, you know, a different mindset. It's been really cool. You know, journalism has given me a pretty good life and hoping that it will continue to do so and really excited that I get to do it here in Buffalo with, you know, great fans and, you know, a lot of our colleagues that are out there. Well, you're doing it real well. Everyone give Josh a follow on Twitter at by Josh Barnett, of course. Continue to support local journalism. Check out the Buffalo News. Yep. I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you bringing me to this building, this historic Buffalo News building, giving me a tour It's been a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, no, thanks, Pat. I appreciate it, too. Hi, my name is Matt Cundell, and this portion of the Moranolytics podcast is powered by my company, mattcundellvoice.com. If you need a voice for your company videos, narration, e-learning, maybe it's your radio or TV ad, or even your phone system, consider using my voice to tell your story. I'm not only a sponsor of this podcast, I'm also a regular listener, wrestling fan, and longtime supporter of the Buffalo Bills. For more, check out mattcundlevoice.com or click on the link in the show notes. All right, I'm now being joined by my buddy Joe in New York City. Buffalo wins on Twitter, another installment of the running with Joe. Haven't done this in at least a couple of weeks. I've been in Buffalo, but now I am back here in Florida. What's going on, my man? How you doing? What's up? You fat fucking bastard. Yeah. You've been in Buffalo stuffing your face in while I'm while I'm just stewing over Bill's Twitter. But yeah, welcome. Uh it's good to be back, man. How's your uh waistline doing? It's not doing very good. Oh I'm, my I'm not God, gonna lie dude. about it. It was fun though, man. I had a lot of fun. It was worth it. Got to meet some people. That previously I had only done phone and Skype interviews with. So to get an opportunity to hook up with these guys and be able to sit down with them over wings and at some places, at least anyway, a drink or two and just, you know, shoot the shit and, and tape a podcast. It was just a, it was a lot of fun, man. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. It's a different animal 
you know, as much as I like talking to you on the phone or Skype when we do these segments, it'll be a lot more fun when we finally get to hook up in person. I just think it's a different dy- dynamic when you're face-to-face with somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons why, you know, at times I've thought about, like, doing a podcast like, on my own. but And I've, I've done, like, startups where it's like, oh, hey, it's going to be like me and, like, Rich Fan doing something for, like, you know, 10 episodes. But it's never – I never liked – like not seeing him or being in the same room with him. Cause I would like to like look people in the eye and like work off each other and like right. kind of like, it's a little bit easier to do that sort of shit. And then you could, you could be more personable. It's kind of weird. And yeah, I, I could imagine like, you know, when you see people and you're doing that with them and you're eating wings and chowing down, like it's more, you know, it's more conversational Absolutely. than it is when you, cause you have your rundown and you're like, okay, we got to hit these topics where it's like, you can freestyle more when you're in, you know, with people and you're just talking about random shit. Like I, I like, you know, I listened to some of your interviews, like the one you did with Joe B and, and, uh, who else was there? It was Joe B, Tim Graham. And, uh, I think the Eric Wood, and they were really fun, like very, like just casual. It was cool. I kind of was jealous. I wish I was there for some of it. Cause I definitely would have like asked follow-up questions and, and like, you know, it would have been fun like to be there and, and do that. I got to ask you and you, you can leave this on or off. Did, the, did you pay for all of the wings or did the the businesses give you the wings? It depends where. The shows that we oh, yeah. taped at, they gave us wings. And instead okay. of charging them, you know, for advertising, we talked about the place and, you know, mentioned throughout the show that, for an example, Sunny Reds, that we were taping at Sunny Reds, put them in the show notes and all that stuff. So it's kind of a good deal for both parties. They fed us. We okay. taped shows there, got them some publicity. I'll tell you, though. And you're 100% right. It is just a different animal when you get an opportunity to talk to somebody in person as opposed to a phone. Now, conversely, the one downside I would say, which probably bothers me more than the average person, is sound quality. You're at a bar. Sure. You're hearing a lot of people in the background. Some people could be jerks. You know, you're hearing a lot of kitchen noise, stuff like that, a lot of ambient noise. So, and you know, I'm kind of, at least when it comes to this podcast, sort of a, yeah, you're cr- a sound snob. I admit that. Yeah. So the quality of the sound suffered, but I'll trade that any day of the week to be able to have an opportunity to sit down with people. So I'm going to make it a point when I get back to Buffalo, wherever I go, whenever I get an opportunity, I'm going to start doing as many face-to-faces as I can. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, I do want to move on and get into a couple of Buffalo Bills-related things for today's segment. Most notably, Sal Mariano at the Democrat and Chronicle recently posted a list of his top 100 Buffalo Bills players of all time. I love lists. I love power rankings, things like that. They're subjective and fun. And when they're done right, I think they make for a really good water cooler debate because you'll never totally agree on all the guys that are on this list. I I don't. I'm sure you don't either. In fact, we're going to come up with six nitpicks, so to speak, on this list, and we'll run through them all. His top 10, I really don't think that there's too much of a debate about. I think they're pretty rock solid. I'll run through those real quick. Uh, he's got Bruce Smith, one, Jim Kelly, two, OJ, three, Thurman, four, Joe DeLamaliers, five, um, six is Reed, seven is Billy Shaw, eight, Tom Sestak, nine, Gookie Kilchrist, and 10 is Daryl Talley. But over the course of 100 people, and I'll put a link to his post in the show notes for anyone that wants to go back and look at the list and maybe come up with some um, nitpicks of their own, there's a couple here and there that I'm sure we don't agree with. So. Let's start with you. Give me a half dozen or so. What do you got? This is going to be a hot take, and I know you're not going to agree with it. I don't think Daryl Tal is the 10th best player in Bill's history. Really? I think Daryl, I think, here's my thing about Tally. Love Tally. 
warrior, fighter, good locker room guy. I I think he's kind of overrated a little bit. And I think I think a lot of people like him because he's a quotable guy. He's kind of inspirational in terms of like he was always a leader. That's what he was known for. And every Bills player will say like, oh, Daryl Talley made me a better player. But on the field, look, I watched those Super Bowl teams. And I, I thought Bennett was a better player than Talley. The, the stats said so. He made more Pro Bowls than Talley did. And that's kind of, I, I would, I, that's kind of, I think Talley gets a lot, like, he, he's great. I like him. He's, he's awesome. But I, I will say on that defense, I thought Bennett was better than Talley, you know, in terms of that. And I, and I just do think he gets, he's good. And I, I hate saying he's overrated, but I, I, I don't think he's as good as there as Bennett was. I would pick, if you ask me to pick between Bennett and Talley, I'm picking Bennett any day of the week. I don't agree at all. It's your opinion. You have a right to it. Yeah, By sure. the way, Bennett's 19 on there, so it's not like he was uh, very low on the list. He was ranked 19, Daryl's 10. I, I don't agree with that. But, hey, man, like I said, I respect your opinion. We all have our opinions. Speaking of, give me a couple of nitpicks that you had as you looked over this list and you're looking at your notes. What do you got? Well, first and foremost, I I have it to where there was a few guys I thought should have made the list. I thought Willis McGahee should have made the list. Uh, I thought Marshawn Lynch should have made the list. I was kind of like with the list, I was a little bit trying to figure out, like, was Sal rewarding people for longevity or was he rewarding people for who was the best player at the time they were there? You know, like Trey Teague, I was like number, I don't know, I think he was like 95 and Trey Teague was not 97. He was he 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 was just a guy like he was not he was not that good. I mean, he was a guy. And to me, Willis McGahee and Marshawn Lynch, when they were here, they were much better than Trey Teague. They were more important, like. Willis McGahee, that year he came in in 2004, like he changed that whole season for them. I know it ended with the Steelers meltdown, but they were 0-4 and 3-6, and and then like they gave the ball to McGahee, and McGahee played out of his mind. He ran for and over he, was, he ran for over 1,100 yards his first two seasons with the Bills, yeah. and then he almost he was only 10 yards short his third year. So he did. Yeah, he had three really good years with the Bills. Yeah. Teague was the, Teague was a starter for five years, but I agree, he really didn't do anything. Yeah. And like, you know, you don't, and and like Lynch, look, Lynch, he had 2000 yard seasons in a row and here's Lynch. Lynch is not a guy who is, uh, you know, there's not many people in the, in in the bills history who ran for a thousand yards to two straight years to start their careers. Like Thurman didn't do it. OJ didn't do it. Like Marshawn did. And Marshawn did not have a good offense around him. He did not have a good line with him, you know, for the most part, you know, outside of Jason Peters, everyone else was kind of like, you know. Come on, Dockery, Langston Walker, and Melvin Fowler. Like, not a really good line. So I thought he should have been on. And Sam Adams, I thought, could have been on it, too. Sam Adams was a – was a, I, I kind of – that just jumped in my head. But, like, he was a two-time pro bowler. He was on that defense that ranked second – you know, they were in the top five in 2002, 2003. He was a really good player there. So, Tequil Spikes, you know, I, I, I – Tequil Spikes is another one not on the list. Yes. Oh, my gosh. How can I forget? <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down before. Yeah. So I, I have to assume Sal forgot about him. I have to assume he just – it's a long list, and he just completely forgot. There's no way – Takeo Spikes played here for, I think, four years. And there's no way you're going to put Trey Teague, who played here for you know the, the same amount. Trey Teague was four years as well, I thought. It was 2002 to 2005, I think that's when Teague. So And, and Spikes was 2003 yeah, to 2006. Right. Yep. So it was four years. Like There's no way you could have like – Trey Teague had a Takeo Spikes, so I'm just gonna assume Sal just forgot about him, maybe. And because I mean, Takeo Spikes was freaking unreal. Like he, 
those two those two years, 2003-2004, he was awesome. He was their defensive MVP by far. So those are like those are a few things I, I thought he those guys should have been on the list to me. I mean, Sam Adams maybe not so much, you know, but I would definitely put those line those guys, Lynch, McGahee, and Spikes on that list. I completely agree with Spikes, McGahee, and Lynch for sure. Lynch was a great running back for he was only here for a little over three plus years, but he also has Sale did have guys on the list that were only Buffalo Cookie Gilchrist, ninth all time. He was only Buffalo Bill for three years. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was probably the most dominant player in the AFL at that time. But yeah, man. So what else you got? Anything else off the top of your head you can remember? I got your notes. Yeah. (laughs) No, I know since I don't have a computer. Uh, I thought Chris Kelsey was too high. I've never liked Chris. Chris Kelsey was my Russ Brandon of the Bills. He was 75. Like in terms of players. He was 75. Yeah, he, he should not be on that list. He was he was one of those guys who, he got two like really lucrative contracts from the Bills for reasons I still don't know to this day, that he must have had like naked pictures of Ralph somewhere. And they just kept deciding to extend him, extend him, yeah, extend him. I he, remember he did that. nothing. I remember He was like, the, he was, yeah, he was terrible. He was just, I think he, I think some, he, he got a lot of, uh, he, he got, he, the media was very soft on him. And I felt like they were because he was he was like one of those locker room guys. He was Mr. Quote machine that you can go over there and he would just spill his guts. And if you do that, I don't care what anyone says. You do that and like within a sports you know team, they're going to give you a little bit more of leeway and not run you out of town. But he was he was worthless. I mean, he did nothing. OK, sorry. Chris Kelsey, not not good. I also thought Jarius Bird's ranking was a little bit uh, too low. Yeah, he I mean, was 68. Bird would, he was 68 on the list. Yeah, like Bird was sorry, but Bird was an elite talent from 2009 to 2013 or whatever he was here for. He was good. Okay, I know it ended badly for him. Like he went to New Orleans, got hurt. But Bird was, I mean, Bird was a rookie. Bird had 10 interceptions or something along those lines. Nine as as a rookie. Yeah, nine. Yeah, nine. Yeah, he was. I mean, that's why he got that sick freaking contract because he played that well here. So I had a little bit issue with that. I also had issue with Shane Conlon. I think where where Shane Conlon was. He was ranked twenty nine, and I have an issue with you on this. But go ahead. Yeah, he was ranked oh, twenty nine. Okay, I he was. Oh my, you know he was. I thought he was always an overrated bill. No. He was a guy that he he was a guy. Look, he was just the the quintessential. Oh, I'm a he's a built fan favorite because he's a linebacker and he's freaking blue collar white dude. And same with like. Like, you know, Paz and Kiko Alonso and all these guys. Sorry to make this about race a little bit. But, like, I just thought he was – I just thought he was – he was he was good. But I wouldn't even – I would put Bennett and Tally ahead of him on that team. And I, I just thought he was a guy who only could play two downs. Once you went to third and long, forget it. He was off the field because he couldn't cover anyone. I, I don't know. I never really – I never was that enamored with him. I thought he was a little overrated. I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the top 20, like – in the top 100, but I would, you know, I would put him down a little bit more. I always felt, I always felt he was one of those overrated bills players from the, from the Super Bowl era. And he was only here for three Super Bowls. So well, he was, first of all, he had tally 10, Bennett, 19, Colin, 29. I agree with Colin being about 29 spent six years with the bills. I don't know if you remember this. He was the AP NFL defensive rookie of the year in 87. He made the pro bowl three times and he was never elite. I'm not going to say he was an elite player, but he was good. He had a good career here. I think 29 sounds about right for him. Yeah, I don't know. Being here for five years or six or whatever it was, it just doesn't. I started watching in 90. That's when I, so I missed his rookie of the year candidate. So if you want to like hold that against me, hold it against me. <laughs> I, I just didn't think he was, 
he was that good. The Bills were never that the Bills were never that good against the run. And that's what he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be that like run stuffing guy. And he was it, it just that you could run on the Bills back then. And I don't know. I just I just don't I'd never really got him that well. I just I just thought he was just like your big dude, everyone like, you know, blue collar guy that everyone resonated to. I just don't I don't really think he was uh, that good. I think who else did I have? I think I, you have my note. You have two others. You have Mario Williams being listed as too low. Sal had him at 48. And then conversely, you had London Fletcher listed as being too high. Sal's got him ranked 21st. Yeah, London Fletcher at 21. I mean, my God. He didn't, even make a, he didn't even make a Pro Bowl here. And look, I like London Fletcher. Good player. But, like, no. I do totally agree with you when it comes to London Fletcher. He was like a supersized version, I'm not talking physically, but production-wise, of, say, Preston Brown. He was here five years, tackling machine, man. He had a ton of tackles, but much like Preston Brown when he was here, was never a big playmaker. He only had, in fact, he never had more than four sacks, and he didn't have a single interception over his last three years with the Bills. Only made the Pro Bowl as an alternate. Very good player. I'm not trying to take too much away from the guy. He was good, but top 21, I don't know, man. He was, to me, a middle linebacker on a defense and a a football team overall that, to me, was one of the more disappointing errors of Buffalo Bills football ever because that team was way too talented to only win as many games as they did during that, like, 2002-3-2004 era. And I'm not blaming London Fletcher by any means. He was a very good player, but top 21, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. And look, he had a great career. Like, look, he, he's going to, if you want to just look at his stats, like, holy shit, look at all these tackles. He played for a long time. He never got hurt. But yeah, he, he was good, but he wasn't, I don't think, top 20. Like, I I, I, I would not put him at 21. And, so, I, and I agreed with you about Mario being too low at 48. He had 43 sacks in four years. And by the way, that fourth year, I think he only had like four sacks. And that was because Rex Ryan came and changed the complete Defense yeah, completely he, around to kill up his role. So he killed the Mario Williams that we had saw. Those three years that he was in Buffalo, man, he was very, he was as good as advertising. I don't, I'm not going to say he was worth the money because when you pay someone that kind of money, you better be J.J. Watt. You better be all world. You better lead a team no. in the Super Bowl. But he was a very good player in, in Buffalo, whether people liked him yeah. or not, for three of those four years, for sure. I would put him in the top I would probably put him in the top 10 for just defensive players. Aaron Schobel, by the way, Aaron Schobel was 24. Mario yeah. Williams is 48. See, I mean, I looked at the stats. Schobel had four double-digit sack totals in eight full seasons. I don't think he should be ranked higher than Mario Williams. It's definitely not half of yeah. him. He's half of him. He's 24. Mario's 48. So. I I always thought Aaron Schobel was, like, he he was always up and down. He's all right. And I felt, and I felt he got a lot of his sacks when the Bills blitzed a lot. Like yeah. if they had like six guys going after the quarterback, he would get there. But if they were doing like a four man front and it was like, okay, hey, we're going to send the four rushers to go rush the quarterback. He didn't get there. But I mean, I mean, I'm being picky on him. But like, yeah, Mario Williams was a better player than Aaron Schobel was in his prime. Like and again, that goes back to the longevity versus how good you were. Like, you know what I mean? Because Aaron Schobel played for what was it like a decade there almost. He was there for eight years. So and Mario yeah. Williams was just. Yeah, Mario was just there for four. So it's just, I get I, I look at it more of if you're if you're doing a concept for the best players, I think you have to look at okay, who was the best player, you know, in, involved with that. I also thought, where did he have? I know, I know, I said six, but whatever. I'm 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 gonna do one more bonus one. Where was James Lofton 
ranked? He was ranked um 20. And he was only here for four years. That's a yeah, that was some that was another guy. Like I look, I love James Lofton. I thought he was a good player here, like, but he was only here for like, I don't know, two and a half years. And like two he had a Pro Bowl year in ninety one, which he was really good in. He wasn't he was okay in ninety and then ninety-two. And like ninety-two, I remember he started having drops a lot, and that's why they got rid of him in not after ninety-two, because he started dropping the ball. Like he got he was getting older, but like for three years, like he didn't, he didn't even lead the team in receiving those years. So like Reed did. So I don't know. I, I don't, I don't agree with putting him at 21, especially for like, for where he was for those two, three years. I don't know. He played in 59 games. I'm reading stats here that sale has in his bio for Lofton 59 games over four years for Buffalo and still ranks 12th among receivers with 152 catches. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is more of a reflection of, James Lofton's Hall of Fame career as a whole, which includes a lot of that, of course, with the Packers. As a Buffalo Bill, based on that, I definitely don't think that he's one of the 20 best Buffalo Bills of all time. Nah, definitely not. Yeah, that's more about the Bills not having a good passing game through most of their history for where he's ranked. Because again, those super, like three years, he was good here. Like the 89, he was only here for a cup of coffee yeah. in 89. I'll go he, back to the 80s. Sound- Frank Lewis, Jerry Butler, I. Both of them, I think, were better than Lofton by that time he got to Buffalo. I'm not talking about Green Bay Packers, James Lofton, because that guy's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Let me right. run through mine. I got a couple here. Let me know if you agree with sure. me. Uh, I got, <laughs> I, th- I think Kyle Williams at 12 is just a little bit too high. Not a lot, but just a little bit too high. He had um, Jim Richter at 13 and Eric Moles at 15. Personally, me, I would definitely have Eric Moles ahead of Kyle Williams. I think Eric Moles is the second best receiver in the in franchise history. And I don't even think it's very close either. I love Kyle Williams, but he also kind of represented, again, as good as a player as he is, he represented a bad era of Buffalo Bills football for me. I just have a hard time putting him at 12. Well, That's Not that he should be too far down, but 12 might be just a little bit too high for me. To be devil's advocate, you could say the same thing about Eric Moles. Eric Moles didn't come out until 98, I think it was. And the Bills, yeah, they were, they were kind of hanging on to that Super Bowl era they they didn't win any playoff games with him. Well, like he, he had wasn't 240 he yards was, receiving in one playoff game. Sure. Hey, amen to that. Like I I agree with you. Like I thought Molds was really really good. Um, and he was probably better than Kyle Williams. I would say. I still think the Bennett thing, man. I mean, you said Bennett was 19 Bennett again. Was I'm 19. sorry to go back. Yep. Yeah, Bennett. Ben is. Oh man, he's like the. He's not even on the Wall of Fame. I I, I really feel he's it's like the personal. one guy that doesn't. Yeah, like the, that's I've heard too. That's but, personal. No doubt yeah. about it. Also, I yeah. have. Uh, I think that LaShawn McCoy at 26 is too high. He's been pretty good with Buffalo, but I don't feel like he's been great. He kind of, And he stunk last year, okay? Last year was one of his few years in Buffalo. And yeah, sure, the offensive line was not good. Plenty of blame for them. But bottom line is LaShawn McCoy didn't look good last year. He stunk. Why is he 26? Has he been better in Buffalo than, like you mentioned him, Lynch, Willis McGahee? No, he hasn't. I don't think he was yeah. better. I don't think he's been better than Travis Henry when Travis Henry was here either. So why is he ranked twenty? I would say he's I better like than Travis. I don't. I, I would say I would say Willis McGahee was better in two thousand or two thousand four than McCoy was in any season he was here. Like he was really good in two thousand. I mean, I he was an MVP in two thousand four, like for the Bills. McGahee, Mc, McCoy. Look, he's had I don't know, like he's had three good years here, right? That's what 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 he's had. 
I don't know. I, I it's it's kind of a weird thing. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna have McGahee and Lynch not on the list at all, but like McCoy's at 26, this is kind of strange, I guess for me. I mean, I would, uh, Joe Cribs, he might, Joe Cribs should have been ranked ahead of him too. He's Joe. He's got Joe Cribs 44. In fact, I completely disagree with this. Joe Cribs was a, one of the better running backs in Bills history. I just don't like Lashawn McCoy that much, man. I just don't think he's been that good in Buffalo. I really don't. I I, I disagree with that. I, I think he's been good. I mean, I think he's been good for the three years he, he was here. Maybe Sal looked at it differently. Like he could have looked at it like, hey, how many good offensive players were around McCoy in comparison to like Joe Cribs? I don't know. Maybe right. like I, I, I'm before I know in 80, 81, the Bills made the playoffs, you know, with Ferguson. And I think they had a good offense with Chuck Knox. I don't know. I don't I wasn't around. I was only one years old then. But I think McCoy has been good. I, I just want to put him like that high. Twenty six seems like a lot for a guy who, you know, but uh, then you could but you could go into the world of. Hey, he was their best offensive player for three straight years. I mean, I don't think you can debate that, right? Right. I for guess. McCoy, McCoy, I mean, McCoy was was the best player for three straight years. So maybe that's kind of what Sal's, you know, thought thought, thought process is maybe with that. But well, I don't agree with that. But you know what? It's cool, man. We'll agree to disagree on that. A couple others I have: Will Wolford at twenty-seven for me is absolutely too low. He's probably the best left tackle in franchise history. I feel like. He should have been top 20, and you could have even made a strong case for me him being top 15, and I would have bought into that for sure. Also, sales got Nate Odoms at 23 and Antoine Winfield at 33. I'm sure the majority of people will agree with that. Me personally, and obviously this is incredibly subjective, I just happen to like Antoine Winfield better as an all-around corner. So maybe if it was me personally doing this list, I might have switched that. And then another one, Leotis McKelvin at 60. That's just way too high. That's way too high. I liked him. He was a cool person. I loved his quotes. He was a lot of fun. He had a few highlight plays here and there, but he was never that good in Buffalo. In fact, considering that he was a pretty high first round pick in a lot of ways, to be honest with you, he was kind of a bust. Pat Williams, a defensive tackle, went under the radar. He was way better on the Buffalo Bills defense than Leotis McKelvin was, and Pat Williams was ranked a handful of spots lower than Leotis. I just, I don't agree with that whatsoever. Well, uh, to go back to your Odom's uh, Winfield one, I would actually say Odom's was better here than Winfield. Winfield, Odom's made Pro Bowls and Odom's was, he would get picks. Like they were different players. Like, like Winfield was more physical. He can, you know, support the run. Nate Odom's didn't support the run, but Nate Odom's was a really good cover corner who got interceptions here. And I, and I think his, I, I would, I thought his career here was better than Winfield's. If we're just going by like careers in Buffalo, I thought his career was better than Winfield. I mean, he was a pro bowler and he signed with Seattle after the, the last Super Bowl, signed a huge deal with them. And then he got, he blew out his ACL playing yep. basketball. Yep. And then the next year he, and then next year he got hurt again and blew out his other ACL and he yep. was done. He was done. Like it was, it was super weird. Like poor guy, <laughs> poor guy. But I thought, I thought he was good. Last nitpick I got Charles Clay at 88. No way, man. No way in hell. Charles Clay should be on any top 100 Buffalo Bills all-time list. God, listen, man, he was here for four years. He only averaged 33.7 receiving yards per game. That's not good, okay? Only nine touchdowns scored in four years. He missed 10 games in four years, and he played a shitload of games where he was less than 100%, which isn't necessarily his fault, but still testament, the guy could not stay healthy. This isn't a list of the top 100 most talented on paper players in Buffalo Bills history. If it wasn't, sure, let's put Charles Clay on there. But of all things that Sale has on there, and again, a very subjective list, lots of credit to him for doing a great job overall, but no way. 
Charles Clay, top 100 Buffalo Bills of all time. Absolutely no way. I think he's a top three tight end in Bills history. Who dude. cares? Because, well, that's that's how you do it. You're doing the best players in Bills history. You know, his his it's first a, it's two and a half years here, he was he was okay here. So, like, he okay? Was, okay is good enough to be one of the top 100 players ever? I don't care this if he's is the a, best this tight end. Is, no Trey Teague is on this list, and he was just a dude. I okay? agree. I agree with you about Trey Teague, and I'm I'm saying the same thing. Charles Clay was just a dude. In fact, Charles Clay was just an expensive dude. Dude, he's no much not much better than Jason Kroom. Okay, get out of here, man. With that, he's not. Get out of here, Jason Kroom. What are you fucking? No, get out of here. What are you trying to get Pagula points with with Jason Kroom? Like, get out of here, dude. Like, no, Jason. Look, Charles Clay. I I had the stat like up to the first two years here. He was in the top 15 for tight ends when it came to yards and, t- and, and touchdowns. I don't. I think you're being really hard on Jason Kroon. Get the hell out of here with that. Kroon, Charles Clay Kroon's going to be looking to make the team. Charles what, Clay, look, you Charles think you Clay hate Charles suck. Clay? He, 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 he did nothing. You know what? One more thing. I got one more thing, and then we're going to move on. I thought Doug Flutie should have got a, better, a higher rating. I think 100, I, I thought, was a, little, was a little low for him. Was he really only 100? Yeah, only 100 for Flutie. I thought that was like, really? Like, he was – Flutie was – I don't want to. I don't want to be like this conspiracy. Like, oh my God, Doug Flutie was the greatest person of all time or player of all time. Like, he is a little bit overrated, but like, he was really good in '98, and that that I team. Agree. He was better yeah. in '98 than Charles Clay was in four years. He was better than Trey or Trey T. Or Trey <laughs> yeah. T. Was in four years too. So yeah, yeah, you're right. On I kind I kind of was a little shocked that he was that low. All right, Maybe. And I, again, I want to reiterate too. We're not sitting here picking apart sales work. Sale did really good work. I'm picking apart no, it. No, I'm just kidding. Not. Yes, no, you're. Yeah, not. It, but it, seriously, it's a lot of work to do, and those kind of lists are subjective. And that, that's the fun part because they're meant for water cooler debate, and that's pretty much what we just did. One more bills thing I at least wanted to touch on. And that's the preseason so far, which I know is your favorite thing. I'm being fatigued there, obviously. I was busy in Buffalo, barely got to watch the first two Bills preseason games. So therefore, I don't really have any Buffalo Bills preseason takes. Conversely, you've made it quite clear to everyone on Twitter, especially that preseason is the dumbest thing that's ever happened in the sport of football, period. So I probably, according to you anyway, did myself a favor by not really putting too much stock into either of the first two Buffalo Bills preseason games. Third one coming up actually tonight as people listen to this against Detroit. I got to ask you, why do you hate the preseason as much as you do? Everything. It sucks. It's just terrible. Look, here's the, here's the thing. Every year I have, I've been watching the Bills for 30 years. Okay. And I, I, I'm not X's and O's guy. I'm not all 22 guy. I don't even follow the league as well as I used to. And, and I should probably now, but the one thing I'm good at, is I remember things very clearly from the Bills from 10, 20 years ago. So I always remember what people were saying around preseason and what preseason guys were doing and just the constant pumping people up like, oh my God, this guy's doing well. And I'm like, okay, well, fast forward. Let's see what he does. Let's see what he did in the regular season. Oh, he did nothing. And that's that's kind of what it is about preseason. It's fake. It's just, it's a fugazi. Everything about it is just, it's all, there is a clear cut paper trail of every year there's a guy for the Bills or a, a unit or something like that that does well in the preseason, and then it just completely falls apart. And I, I thought last year would have been like the beginning of the end of that with Peterman and Benjamin having like a really good preseason, and they were freaking terrible in the regular season. But it's it keeps going. It keeps going. And it's it's fine if you like, like Josh Allen, like how he's done in the preseason. Like, fine. I get it. Franchise quarterback. You, pay, you paid a shitload for him. I can get being excited about him. But when you're excited about like, you know, Daryl Johnston or Duke Williams or Christian Wade playing against like the number twos or threes of other teams, 
I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, I just, it doesn't, it, it, there are hardly any, I asked this on Twitter. I said, can anyone name me any preseason hero? Like in the last 15 years for the bills who, man, that guy was awesome in the preseason and look at him now. He's really good. And I had people telling me your boy, Jason Kroon was mentioned. Uh, I had him, Marcus Murphy. I'm like, okay, great. Like these guys are like, what you're going to like stand on for me to dispute. Like if preseason doesn't matter or not. Like, it's just stupid. It's all fake. Half these guys are going to be gone by the end of the freaking, by the end of the summer. The Bills are, you know, I get what the Bills are trying to do. Like, hey, they're looking at who's good, who's bad, whatever. Like, it's, it's going to boil down to, like, the last 45, the last 10 guys in the roster are going to be the guys who could play special teams. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> I literally got really nothing to add to what you said because I think you said everything that needed to be said. Preseason is just stupid, okay? And I... I fall for it sometimes. I fell for the Marcus Murphy hype train last year, and look how that turned out. Never again. I'm just not going to do it. Preseason's stupid. Props to Frank Wright from the Colts by the third preseason game. Supposed to be the most important game. Not playing most of his starters. I wish more teams, especially the Buffalo Bills, would do that. I don't need to see the starters out there. I already have a good feeling of what they're going to do. I don't buy into the chemistry stuff and all that. There's a lot more uh, risk than reward when it comes to the preseason. Someone getting hurt or not playing well, and then the media and the fans jump on that as well. So, yeah, I'm all about, I hate the preseason, just like you do. One sure. last item, man. I got one wrestling nugget for you. Not going to have another lengthy wrestling discussion. I already talked to Josh Barnett earlier in this episode. We talked some wrestling. But I do want to get your take on AEW and NXT going head-to-head starting in October on Wednesday nights. AEW is going to be on TNT for two hours and NXT is going to be on USA network for two hours. What, what's your thoughts on that? It's exciting. I, I have to say, I'm interested to see how this works and to see what Vince McMahon's reaction is because they have not had legit wrestling competition in 20 years. And you could tell they are putting everything into like into fighting AEW, like the, the snide comments, like when Vince McMahon's doing his like stockholder meeting where he's like, Oh, we don't want you know, they want they're going to do brutality and blood and guts. And like, you know, he's he's poking the bear a little bit with with advertisers to go, hey, if you advertise with AEW, you're going to get blood and guts. And now he's like they're throwing NXT right on Wednesday nights. You know what I mean? Like, here you go. Wednesday night NXT. Like, we're, we're going to go with that. And my only concern is this. I, I, I watch NXT. I know you don't. And NXT is a great brand. Like, they're fun. It's the one brand that Vince McMahon has no control over. It's all Triple H's shit. And it's been great. And I'm curious what's going to happen if it's going to USA Network, if Vince is going to have his hands on that. Because if he has his hands on that, it's not going to be nearly as good. Because Triple H cares about, like, he cares about the wrestlers in terms of guys who can wrestle. They're all, they're all like, guys who do four or five-star matches. Vince is a guy who's going to sit there and go, God damn it, Johnny Gargano is small. What's his character? Oh, let's, let's put in Baron Corbin and give Baron Corbin... You know, so repackage him here. He's gonna go for he's gonna go for the guy who's bigger. That's always what he's done. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how all of this works out. I'm I'm rooting for AEW. Like I, I think the time is now, man, because I think WWE fans are kind of sick of like WWE stuff. It's been better as of late, but I think people want to change. They want like a revolution, and I think AEW is gonna deliver that. I think it's cool that WWE's putting NXT on Wednesday nights. By the way, is a, you know it's the minor league. Or although a lot of fans won't agree with that, but it's still NXT's the minor league of WWE. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, if you can't even beat our minor league, how are you gonna come yeah. compete with us when it comes to Raw or SmackDown? 
I do like it though, man. It's going to be fun. I think the wrestling fan is going to get rewarded because they are, they're definitely going to push each other. I I'm rooting for AEW too. I really hope it's, it's going to be fun. One last thing too. I like this about AEW. I kind of mentioned this with Josh too, because I am a mainstream guy. I don't know a lot about NXT. I know next to nothing about the Indies. I generally start to learn about a wrestler once he gets to NXT. And then obviously when they come up to the main roster, Sure. But my point with AEW is, sure, I know Cody Rose. Of course, I know Jericho. I know the Young Bucks now just because they're in the forefront of all this going on with AEW. And I've seen Kenny Omega wrestle a couple times. But there's going to be a lot of people coming on there that I don't know anything about. And I'm kind of looking forward to starting from the ground floor, from scratch, not knowing these people and watching it develop. So that's going to be cool. I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be to use the AEW term all in. I am going to be all in because I want to see how it's going to go. And at least to start, and I'm that guy. I mean, it doesn't matter so much in 2019. You could tape one and watch the other. So I'll probably do that, but I'm definitely going to watch AEW for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and the thing about AEW, you kind of mentioned it's like from the ground floor up and a couple of guys there, like, you know, but like it being some unknown guys, it, it not being super watered down, I think is going to help them. Like, I don't, you know, you go back to like the Attitude Era, like you go back to like 98 WWE, there was like four or five like big guys there that you were like, all right, these are the guys who are going to be the focal point of the promotion. And I think that's missing in WWE because there's so many guys that you can kind of pick from, but they all get lost. Like they have too many guys. And I sometimes think having less guys in a promotion helps it out because you're putting more focus on certain guys. Now, the, now those guys have to be good and Omega's good. Jericho's good. Cody's good. The young bucks are good. But like, I think having your focus on like six really good guys is what you want to do. You don't want to just sign a bunch of people. And then you have like, you know, curtain jerkers or you have Apollo Cruz being like the freaking jobber guy. When you look at someone like Cruz and go, Hey, he's a really good worker. He can work. You know what I mean? So like, you know, a jobber should be like, you know, like, like, but you know scotty too hottie or something like that you know what i mean it yeah. shouldn't be like someone like apollo cruz and i think it's because there's so many people on the main roster for wwe and i think aew not having as many people as of now right now i think helps yeah i agree all right as always let's finish this segment off with you hitting your pad and finisher what do you got this week oh my gosh you know what i hate bill's twitter if you guys can't tell and if you follow me on twitter you can totally tell that i just have had it with with it at times i do not i'll, I'll just stay, stay with this this week three articles came out from like national people two from pro football one from pro, pro football focus one from espn insider and one from some guy i never even heard of or from a website i never heard of and two of them were about josh allen one was about mcdermott and you would have thought like the Mueller report came out and just had like scathing stuff about like Donald Trump and people were like, Oh my God, this is what happened. Like I'm, I'm just sick and tired of people being so outraged about what people write about when it comes to Josh Allen or the bills, like give up. Like if you're optimistic about the bills, fine, stay in your lane. But what's the point of like coming on Twitter, slam dunking on people who don't have Josh Allen in like the, you know, as the 29th best quarterback in the league, but they have him as 32nd. Like, what is the point of arguing about that with someone and being just livid about it? Like, just chill out. Like, it's August. If you want to be happy, stay in your lane. Stay in your bubble. Okay? If I want to be miserable, I'll stay in my bubble and just have misery around me.
All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Big thank you again, Josh Barnett, executive sports editor over at the Buffalo News. That was a lot of fun. And to be able to sit down with Josh at the Buffalo News office in downtown Buffalo, that was pretty cool as well. You know, I obviously grew up in Buffalo as a sports fan, admired sports writers, wanted to be one when I was younger. So to be able to get a nice tour of the Buffalo News, see where everything is done, where all the quote-unquote magic happens, that was pretty cool. So appreciate you, Josh. Thanks as well to my man, Joe. Buffalo wins on Twitter, another installment of The Running with Joe. The man's never short on takes. I'll give him that. I don't always agree with what he says, but I do admire Joe and that he's not afraid to say what's on his mind. He doesn't kiss people's asses. And what he says is uh, what he feels. And he lets the chips fall where they made from there. So much respect for that. Coming up on the show next Tuesday, I did tape one last interview when I was in Buffalo that I have not aired yet. I'm going to do that on Tuesday. I sat down with Michelle Girardi Zumwalt, the brilliant senior producer at Pagula Sports and Entertainment. We hooked up at a Tim Hortons in Amherst for conversation. That was a lot of fun. Michelle is one of those people that I admire as much as I admire anyone I've ever had on the show. So really looking forward to bringing that to you next week. In the meantime, if you have not yet done so already, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast right now. It's quick. It's easy. It's free. All you got to do is hit the subscribe button on your app. When you do, new episodes automatically get sent directly to your phone, your computer, laptop, iPod, whatever it is that you use these days within literally just seconds of the release. That's always the benefit of subscribing to the podcast. You're going to get the new episode before anyone else does. Now that I'm back here in my home studio in Florida, back on a regular production schedule, back to having new shows every Tuesday and Friday. Also, don't forget, please take a quick second, rate and review the show. Again, I say it all the time. It really helps me continue to grow this podcast tremendously. Of course, you can find this on Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. One last thing, follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you as always for listening. Have a good weekend. I'll be back next week. We'll have plenty to talk about. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.